Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Welcome back to the Partnership Economy podcast. This is your host, Dave Yavano, and I'm thrilled to announce today's guest, Maddie B. Webb. Maddie is an LA-based creator who went from making TikToks with her friends in Nashville to building a platform of over 2 million followers. With her content, she shares her honest take on fashion, beauty, and fitness, while touching on important topics such as mental health and women's empowerment. Maddie got her start running digital marketing campaigns for record companies before taking what she learned and growing her own business. In today's episode, she shares her top tips for aspiring creators, how she engages her audience, the most and least successful brand partnership she's ever worked on, and a candid breakdown of how creators really want to be compensated. Maddie is refreshingly honest, authentic, and positive. I highly recommend staying tuned for this episode. Welcome back to the Partnership Economy Podcast. I'm excited to introduce this week's guest, Maddie B. Webb. Maddie is a highly successful, driven, and genuine content creator with millions of followers across platforms like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. Welcome to the show, Maddie. How are you doing today? I'm fabulous. Even better now that we're here. I'm so happy we're doing this. After a little pale discussion, it was so amazing. Yeah, me too. Hey, let's just establish from the start that as a creator, an entrepreneur, a business owner, you've got street cred. Uh, I mentioned that you've got millions of followers across the many platforms. You're now traveling around the world. You just mentioned you and I were on stage together at Web Summit in Lisbon just a few months ago. You also collaborate with dozens of brands and weave their products into your lifestyle. As someone who's so accomplished at such a young age, pursuing this coveted successful career as a content creator, how and why did you get started as a creator? Can you just let us in on that journey? My start was a little unconventional, but I I personally see it as my superpower because I started on the brand slash agency side. So I used to live in Nashville and I, when I was in college, my whole goal was just to get internships. I had no interest in school. I just wanted to be in the industry. And so I started um, interning at different agencies. I um, eventually started working at Warner Music in their marketing department when their very first um, group of interns slash you know, young employees who were working in social media, like for, for music. So I was throwing little events. I was working on their TikTok, their Instagram, all these things. And then at the same time, I was working at an influencer marketing agency that marketed music to, um, through influencers. And it started on Instagram. When I first started at the internship, we were just doing Instagram. And then a few months in August, 2019, I remember it so vividly. My boss came in and was like, guys, we're getting on TikTok. And I'm like, what the hell is TikTok? And it actually, that, like that conversation now looking back really changed my life because I saw an opportunity for the first time to actually become a creator instead of working on the back end of it. Because before my options and my um, opportunity was so limited before the rise of TikTok. Wait, what year was that? Do you remember when the boss came in and said? August 2019. Three years ago, it's hard, to, it's hard to imagine like how fast something can take off like this. Three years ago. Uh, it, it feels like the longest amount of time ever and simultaneously so quick. It's so wild to think about. 
And it's so crazy how I just remember that so vividly. Like, I'm like, what the heck is TikTok? I didn't even know. I didn't even, I didn't have Musical.ly. Like, I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, and look where you are now. It's crazy. So it sounds like having that industry knowledge, that perspective was hugely beneficial to your growth. Something I've thought about um, is, you know, just what it takes for you as an individual to really cross that line. You start showing your face, you know, letting everyone into your daily life, posting daily content. Um, and just, you know, just kind of opening yourself up in that way. What would you say was the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome in order to do this? The most biggest, I think the biggest obstacle for everyone who decides to start being more um, themselves on social media, because I think there's a lot of people who can almost make a character out of it or show a very specific side of their personality. I don't see a lot of those types of creators going long term. So I think the biggest obstacle is not attaching your self-worth to the things that other people say and like being okay with looking stupid and annoying and cringy because at the end of the day, I, I have been called a lot of names, especially when I was starting to do social media. I, I had so many people say things like, oh my gosh, she's so annoying. She's so cringy. And now looking back at what I have to say that to them is being cringy and annoying got me literally everything I ever wanted in my life. Like I am sitting here in my in my dream apartment because I put myself out there because I, we are all human people. All of us are a little bit cringy and a little bit weird and that resonates with people. And when you're just not a, afraid to put that side of yourself out there and you overcome that self-doubt, and, and it's a daily it's a daily practice, like every single day I, I I have to reaffirm that to myself. When you're talking about posting to the world, most people don't open up who they really are to the world. If they know everyone's looking, you behave differently. And maybe that's kind of opened up um, a, a kind of a, a new wave of growth for people like yourselves with people just being OK with, with being themselves. You call it cringy or just being themselves uh, and, and, and people just just realizing that um, th this is a thing now. And that we're all humans. I think it's it, honestly in the in the wave of Instagram, it almost put this mass masking uh, over all of us, this like perfectionism masking. One of my favorite things about the rise of TikTok is it, that it was also the rise of true authenticity. We did not really have, I know there was creators like Emma Chamberlain and Desi Perkins who were doing like more organic authentic type of content but it wasn't necessarily as out there as it is now and it definitely wasn't the norm and now it's almost required to be truly authentic in order to make it in this industry which is something that i love about it and and at the end of the day it's like why did we forget that we're all humans like it's genuinely like we're trying to erase the hu like the human part of us and like be these perfect robot people i have no interest in that at all. Yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, that journey then with your audience, right? Because I know that that's a priority for you and how you connect with them, how you engage with them. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you've built up this following? Yeah. Um, I think it definitely was inch by inch when it comes to authenticity. It's almost like you you have this 
thing that you want to share and you're like, oh my gosh, how are people going to react? And then you just share it. And then you see, oh, wow, there's a lot of people who feel the same way. And even the people who don't feel the same way, a lot of them respect what I have to say. And I almost like opened up possibilities for them. And it's just like the more that I did that little by little, the more positive feedback that I got, the more I built like my my real real community of people the more that i put that out there the more i was attracting the demographic and the community that i was wanting you know which is like other basically other females and um i just i i realized that putting all of my human out there was making so many other people feel less alone so it's just honestly now when people are like oh my gosh even i'm posting a video today um that's a little bit controversial and i was showing it to my friend and she's like wow you're so brave and at this point, I don't even consider it brave anymore because I don't feel like I have another choice. I feel like it's my, now my responsibility to be authentically myself. And when I need, when I have something that I need to say, I know that I need to say it. But it really, I feel like it's that one day at a time, one step at a time, building your community and just being being real. Like I, I am just like a very real person. <laughs> that's it yeah and it seems like you're pretty active in uh engaging with uh your audience as well like you're responding to comments and that sort of thing definitely i honestly read everything i'm i'm not at the point where i like have you know every single video i have like millions of comments like i, I yeah a lot of viral videos if there's thousands of comments i won't see every single one but for the mo- most of the time i'm reading all my dms all my comments i'm responding back to 99 percent of my comments i'm in most a lot of times i respond with videos i take their advice i ask for i wish i could i wish they would tell me more of what they want like i love to hear from my community you know so let's shift at this point then to the business side of what you're doing because i think you got your start on tiktok with with music like like singing or and by the way did you grow up singing How, how did that skill kind of develop I kind of started with singing on TikTok. I was like telling stories, putting on outfits, singing. I was honestly throwing everything against the wall. I was like, let's see what sticks. And you're into fashion, you're into a number of themes, but there is a business side to what you do. It's not all about just just entertainment uh, sort of content that you're producing. You are, you know, collaborating with a number of brands, you know, as, as a way to have this be a business and a career for you. Like we were on this this theme of authenticity. Can you talk a little bit about how authenticity is woven into your business relationships as well? The brands that you're introducing to your audience, essentially. I think it it started very differently than what it's developed into now. Like I said before, I I felt like I had a superpower becoming a creator because I had worked on the brand side. I understood the mindset of businesses wanting to work with creators, what they were looking for and how I needed to basically treat brand deals i needed to treat everything like it was a literal job um and because i had that experience i kind of understood exactly what they needed from me and i could behave not only like as an authentic creator but also like as a professional partner and i think that has helped develop my relationships with brands but at the beginning it's you don't have as many options like you're you're still building yourself up. You're trying to develop relationships. You're just trying to honestly get anyone to pay you to do something at the, at the beginning. And now I'm at the point in my career where I am so I am able to be so so much more choosy with the people that I work with. And they right now I see myself as when I look at brands when I'm you know having this conversation in my mind. Does this authentically fit into, into my brand? It really is. The brand has to fit in with what I am already organically talking about. 
random example, I posted last week a video about me, things I will do to avoid cooking, basically. And I, I ordered catering and I was like, this is my meal prep. And I put it all into like little jars and I meal prep for the week and Grubhub reached out. And now we're starting an organic relationship because I've been responding to comments from that video talking about like my eating habits, what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. And so now I'm like developing this like authentic relationship with Grubhub from a viral video that I that was just on my page. And and now when I'm talking to brands, it's for me, it's all about the long term partnerships, because I know that that's where I can provide the most value to them and that I can build that trust with my audience. Because statistically, we talked about this um, at Web Summit, but statistically, it takes people seeing something online three to seven times before they even consider buying that product, using that app, whatever it may be. And so I have to not only develop that trust with my audience to be of like legit value to the brand, depending on their marketing goals. And also, I want to have those relationships with with these brands where it's consistent. It makes more sense for both of us. It is mutually beneficial when we're when we're developing like an authentic relationship online in front of these millions of people. When I started working with SheFit, they are a um, sports bra company and they make bras that are specific for women who have larger chests who struggle to work out. And it's it's the most supportive bra I've ever had in my life. It's like my go-to workout ha- must-have, especially when I'm doing cardio. But when I started working with them to now, I have lost 50 pounds. And my my audience has seen that entire transition I went through this um, like weightlifting phase. I was doing all these workouts and I was like always in my fit. And to this day, my size has changed, but my outfit has not. And I'm like now one of their top salespeople because we have stayed consistent with our relationship. My followers know and love them. They're, they recognize it when it's on my page. It's just a thing on, on all of my platforms, actually. Yeah. And how much, like what kind of guardrails does any brand like SheFit, you know, kind of typically try and put in place for you? Are they specifically asking you to do certain things and if they are are you looking for some sort of like fixed fee compensation if you're kind of to follow these guidelines sort of thing versus just all performance based this is so important this is actually so important one of my favorite things about working with Shifa is they don't tell me what to do ever i don't think i've ever had a post where they're like hey this doesn't this doesn't we don't like this they trust me enough to know what my audience is going to respond the best to. And I value that so much. I mean, there's obvious things like don't have other logos. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to have like a Nike logo on on my head when I'm promoting SheFit, just confusing. And don't cuss in my SheFit posts. I'm like, that's, I understand that. Like, there's just like those little totally reasonable guidelines. Um, But there, you know, there are brands that make you do X, Y, Z, say this here, make sure this is in the first three seconds, do this. And for them, yeah, my rate's a lot higher because it is a lot harder to work with. It's not as authentic to me. People know that it's advertisement instead of it feeling like an organic post, like, oh, that I can actually just like buy for 20% off or whatever. Yeah, what I'm interpreting is what, what sounds like is that what you as a creator should want in your app or the same thing for the brand is a longer term partnership or relationship. No one wants to keep starting and restarting new relationships all the time. So it sounds like SheFit is a really good example of someone who respects you, respects your connection with your audience. Yeah. So SheFit sounds like a really good example of uh, a real successful partnership that you have. Uh, on the flip side, uh, do you have any 
mistakes. Uh, another, an example of maybe a, a, an attempted collaboration or an actual collaboration that, that didn't go so well. Likely didn't um, become that recurring for revenue me. stream for you. <laughs> No, I I actually posted about this a few weeks ago because I, it was t- December of 2021. Yeah, December of 2021, right before I moved back to LA and I was strapped for cash. Like it was, I was so down bad. I was like, I I have to figure out a way. <laughs> and so I took this brand deal with a shampoo company and it, it was honestly the most embarrassing, most tragic brand deal I've ever done. I didn't, I didn't even make any money it was so it was it was so low-balled but i was you had to know i was struggling at that point <laughs> they made me they made me put the face filter on a shampoo bottle and pretend to be a shampoo bottle like talking to myself and they made me do a script and they made me do 11 drafts and it was it is truly to this day like it will come back to haunt me at some point and i will laugh at it but at the same time it will it is so horrifying that i had that i did that like it was just so bad and yeah maybe you put it out there as an example of what not to do (laughs) and also the biggest no the biggest issue with that is that i gave them usage rights which means that i have to go look back at that contract because a few months ago they reposted it and i was like no no you can't do that i have to go but i i think i might have given them use like usage rights for years and by the way it was a blue shampoo and my hair looks so bad so if they are still circulating this advertisement that's only looking bad on them because my hair was trash in that video my audience punished me for a while after (laughs) that i was like guys i'm so sorry and it's like it wasn't a bad shampoo like it's a very very famous brand like it's a great brand i was like why are you making me do this awful video If you're enjoying this podcast and want to learn how partnerships can help your business, visit impact.com, the world's leading partnership management platform. My, one of my businesses, I call it Maddie B Consultation. And I started very, I have started this business very one-on-one with people. And I've been able to prove, prove concept enough to know what people know the type of information that people need in order to really set them up for success in this business. And one of my one of my goals for 2023 is absolutely coming out with my own, whether that be a YouTube series or um, like you said, a playbook of how all of these tips very organized and mapped out for a mass audience to be able to do what I do and learn from the things that I learned the hard way. I would love to help specifically other women be able to build their own businesses. That's kind of my entire goal. I'm sure there's going to be huge demand for that. Somebody told me about a survey that came out recently that talked about um, like what's the career that most people coming out of school want right now they want to be a creator they want to be like you it, it makes me so happy I think it's crazy when people talk about that negatively because it's like do you know how limited uh, capital capitalism makes people especially our younger generation specifically nowadays because of inflation like they're coming out with thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of debt that they will likely not pay off in the next 20 to 30 years. And here is an opportunity to make money on the internet. 
I've seen so many creators talk about how they paid off all their student loans in one year of just doing creating, even if it's on the side, even if it's a side hustle for you. I think that's amazing. And anyone who's scared of that has a limiting belief system and doesn't have a mindset of abundance, because I believe if there's enough for me, there's enough for everybody. Yeah, it seems like, you know, we, we talked to a lot of brands, creators, agencies in this industry, and people are always talking about all the different all the different ways to compensate um, creators, so like the structure of these partnerships. Would love to hear just what types of contracts you prefer. In my experience, flat, I personally only accept flat rate contracts like that, that. They can add commission on top of that. I do not believe in receiving percentage based compensation for work as a content creator because like we spoke earlier about statistics when it comes to selling a product people have to see that product three to seven times in the market on social media before they even consider buying it and at the end of the day when you're a content creator you are not a salesperson. most content creators are in marketing not in sales and those are two very different things and they they require very different um skill sets and to and i just honestly think that the <laughs> brands that are trying to only pay you a percentage of whatever you sell they're kind of scamming you a little bit because they know that you're not going to sell and they're getting free work for they're getting marketing work for free and just promise and you might make like maybe a hundred dollars from it depending on how much you can actually sell most of the time it's not going to mean up and a lot of times they have a threshold like you have to sell a certain amount of products to make any commission if you only sell five products bestie you're not getting fifty dollars you're just getting nothing okay one thing to, to i think clarify with that I, I at least personally i think would find helpful gifting what 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 is that all about exactly in the creator world so gifting is a way that brands I call it, and I think it's in a way blitz marketing because you'll have this massive PR list of 500 creators and you're sending this very specific gift uh, or PR package out to all of them. That I mean, that's one way that brands have done it. I get a lot of PR packages where it's like aesthetic and they make they curate it so that it's very easily, easily postable. If we're talking like a one-on-one -on -one brand relationship, like I, I just started working with a skincare company. We're at the very ground level and they're starting off by just sending me some products. And they, they know what I know. There is no posting requirements. I do, I could have these products, keep them forever and, and use them and then never post about them. Our relationship would not develop if I did that. Th that's okay. If th that happens sometimes, sometimes I don't like the products. I'm like, all right, we're good. Thank you so much. I, I don't want to promote this actually. And then, you know, a lot of times, though, I receive the gifting. I'm using it consistently. I'm using it organically in my content. Um, in my content. I share that content with them. I review it in per talking to them in the email. Hey, this is, these are the core things that I loved about this um, this gift that you gave me. I, I, I would love to post about it in this way. And usually I'll give, I'll pitch them a little idea. Hey, I think this would fit so perfectly in my nighttime skincare routine because I just started skin cycling and I needed a new retinoid. And I thought I could involve this into my next post. Here are my rates. I would absolutely love to discuss a partnership with you. And that, and then from there, we would usually discuss um, what that would look like. And uh, there you go. Like a gifting opportunity turns into a paid opportunity. I am a big believer in um, 
a lot of a lot of people disagree with me on this actually but don't post anything if a brand's just giving you stuff for free that's not fair and i i do agree with that but i also think that if by opening that door with a brand that you really love a product that you authentically and organically like and posting about that it's going to to start that organic relationship that will develop into a paid opportunity and if it doesn't then you move on yeah i think this is where brands really need to align their goals with their compensation models and I agree with you, brand awareness is very different uh, from driving sales. And I think contracts need to reflect that. So, okay, Maddie, we've touched a lot uh, on uh, a lot of things here in this episode, but would love to hear what, what trends that you're paying attention to right now. What's next for creators this year? Yeah, I, all the research is so interesting. All the research that I've done um, about what's trending this year um, there's a creator that I really like that if you're wanting to know what's trending, she makes amazing, authentic content. Her name is Coco Loco, and she has, I think, I, I follow her on TikTok, but I know she also posts on YouTube. Um, she's one of my favorite people who um, talks about the rise of trends. And obviously, we're always going to have like our trending sounds, like Miley Cyrus's new song, Flowers, came out, whatever. Like, there's always going to be those types of trends um, that it's good to stay on top of just because you'll have more um reach on the for you page when you use those types of audios and such but what i like that she's talking about right now is that there is a huge rise in people who are not actually creators and they're just posting about their day-to-day life and actually one of my new consultation clients she's starting from zero up and she's like yeah i finally admit to myself that i do want to be a creator because i want to be paid to travel and i'm like great we have a goal so now we create content that's going to be around that goal so one of my i one of the things that we're talking about doing is she's going to be filming her days just like her normal days right now she's just doing she's she's an assistant to a costume designer right now on set for a commercial about gut health and so i'm like and she's like that's boring i'm like people want to know about that what does that even mean what are you even doing what is that behind the scenes of a freaking gut health commercial like you know what i mean it's like those types of normal, almost mundane things are becoming the most interesting. There's a girl on TikTok who cleans houses and she posts blogs about that every day. Her videos have millions and millions and millions of views. The thing that people are wanting to see is just people being authentic and living their lives and they just want to know what's going on with people. I, I think that's really what the rise of it is. And it kind of all goes back to our main conversation, our topic of the day, which is authenticity. It feels like that's been the topic of conversation for a while yeah but, i don't think anyone in, in the audience here listening to this episode will forget about that word authenticity i think that that is a big deal and it's really at the heart of what you're doing what makes you so successful honestly uh, or any creator it's it's like paramount um and i've heard you talk about in the past like a trend around just the editing format right the, the idea of like the perfectionism that goes into like producing something like people want that raw almost snapchat style you know, sharing, you know, with your, your closest friends, but now uh, a global audience. Snapchat style, FaceTime style. I've seen both of those words being used, being thrown around, like literally talking like you're talking to your friend, whether that's even a voiceover or if it's literally talking straight to the camera about um, your opinions, your belief system are literally what happened in your day. You never know who's going to resonate with the things that you have to say. And I also want to say that not everything has to be viral. Not every single post that you make needs to have a million views. There are such things called community building posts where I will post something that I know just my niche core of 50,000 people on, on TikTok are going to see. And um, that, that post is for them. 
that post is for that community that I am actively growing, but that but I create content that I know is like not not necessarily viral, but it is for that community building. And that's how you actually create longevity. So don't be discouraged if your post only gets a thousand views. That's a thousand people that just watched your video. Conceptually think about a, a 1000 people in front of you. That's wild that we all have access to that. All right, before we finish up here, I wanted to know what you're up to and working towards just on a personal level this year for 2023. I think maybe this is might be like a good place for me to be authentic about what I'm going through right now uh, as an entrepreneur and a content creator. The last time we spoke, I was heavily operating four different businesses. My Maddie B. Webb um, personality where I do all my brand deals, Maddie B. Consultation where I'm helping people one-on-one grow their audience. Maddie B's Closet, where I'm doing um, fully styled outfit boxes straight from my own closet. And Vines for Queens, where I was I was cultivating 60 short form videos every single month, all completely shoppable on Amazon. So I was doing all of, all of these things successfully too. And honestly, I came into this new year and I'm like, let's go 2023. It's going to be the best. And I Honestly, since the start of this year, I made my vision board and I'm looking at all my goals and I'm kind of thinking, how are the things that I'm doing going to get me to these goals? Specifically, my account finds for queens. I genuinely was spending 30 to 40 hours just on that on that uh, business every single week on top of having three employees fully dedicated to that business. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, I am absolutely going to make this successful. This is very real. Like this is going great. I don't, I just realized that I don't want it to be like, I almost started getting anxiety at the thought of it really doing well, because that meant I had to keep doing it. And actually, when I looked at it, I was like, this actually doesn't align with what I want to do at all. Because I I am not a QVC creator. Like I respect anybody who is who is doing that because it's a great way to make income. But it doesn't align with my personal where I want to be in the world. I proved it to myself. Like I proved myself that I could do it. I could be a boss. I could run this business. I could do 60 videos on top of everything else. That doesn't mean I had to have to do it or want to do it. And so uh, literally over the past week, I've been going through this transition where I've kind of dropped everything and I am going back to my roots which is being a creator I almost got lost in the sauce for a minute like I I lost my love for creating content and it wasn't because I it wasn't because I didn't like creating content it's because that it was everything was so stressful and I was I was being pressured I, I was being rushed and pressured and I couldn't authentically be myself I wasn't even really leaving my apartment it's really hard to have balance as a creator. Like I, I totally understand, um, like the outside perception of influencers and that we like, you know, get it, make your own schedule, get, get up when we want, post when we want, whatever. Um, it's so not like that. (laughs) It really isn't. There's so much responsibility and pressure and, um, um, emphasis on your popularity directly tying with your income. It is, it is something that has to be like a daily, 
practice and like not attaching your self-worth to any of these material things because the second you do is the second that you will not make it in this industry. I think what what you're articulating is the business and, and you know, impact.com, we're over a thousand employees and a lot of things that you're talking about relate to, you know, businesses that are larger than yours. I think you, you have a handful of employees, but it's still a business that so you're not just having fun posting whatever you want. There's real purpose in what you're doing. And what I'm reflecting on and taking away with some of the things that you're saying, how I interpret that and how we conduct business as a company, a lot of what you're talking about is like culture and values and, you know, things that are important to you. And I think you're, you're, you're establishing that, right? You know, and, and a lot of that drives your strategy and how you're going to choose to operate your business essentially. And that's just, that's exciting for me to see, you know, someone growing and evolving like that, especially again, at such a young age. I, I appreciate that so much. And you know, I, I really, I had this mindset, even even from our panel, I'm like, oh, I, I have to be this girl boss and like, I can never stop working. Even the week that we were in Portugal, I was sleeping three hours a night because I was, I had to be up during LA time to make sure everything was running smoothly here. And it was just so much to take on. And I just thought, you know, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm just going to, tough it out i can i'm gonna get through i'm just gonna do it and just because i can do it doesn't mean i should nor have to maddie you're such a rock star such incredible insights from the creator um, point of view and i think it's going to inspire creators like yourself or wanting to be like you uh, brands on how um you know just great insights on how you know when they approach you you know what 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 is going on from from your side of the table essentially we're going to be excited to watch you continue to grow and accomplish all your goals here in this next few years. I want to thank you for joining me in such an informative and candid conversation. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for having me. This is so amazing. You're fabulous. I can't wait for our next panel. The overarching theme of this episode was certainly authenticity. It seems almost impossible for a creator to be successful unless they're putting their genuine selves out there and only promoting brands that actually fit into their lifestyle. Maddie gave two great examples of this. The first was with Grubhub, a meal delivery app, who reached out to her after she posted a TikTok about her inability to meal prep. This is a partnership that just makes sense because she already organically told her audience that she's struggling to cook and needs easier meal options. The second was SheFit, a sports bra company that Maddie has been highlighting to her followers for years as part of her personal fitness journey. Here we can see the importance of building long-term partnerships. The brand gets constant exposure to a receptive audience and the creator doesn't have to feel like they're constantly selling one-off products that disrupt their feed. No surprise that Maddie is SheFit's top salesperson today. It was also interesting to hear a successful creator's view on fair compensation and the work that it really takes to be both a marketer and a salesperson for a brand. I hope you enjoyed this jam-packed episode filled with great insight. Thank you, Maddie, for joining us on the Partnership Economy podcast, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Partnership Economy brought to you by Impact.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. 